championship leadership podcast and uh before we get into our episode today to find out find more episodes just like this on the championship leadership podcast you can go to my website natebailey.org you can also find out more about what i'm up to every single day and the messages that that i'm sending out Uh, you can subscribe to our list as well pick up a free copy of my audiobook 100 mile mindset uh all at that website natebailey.org today's guest uh just a fun guest outside of toronto canada I had a uh, guest from California just before that, but Toronto, Canada, uh, Jennifer Longmore, um, just a really, really interesting person, had an incredible story. She's a highly intuitive person. Um, she worked for many years on crime scene investigations and uh, saw a lot of things, unfortunately, that she probably didn't wish to see, but had a a very intuitive and and natural talent that helped her to be very successful inside of that arena. And now today, uh, she works with entrepreneurs, um, men and women, and helps them to really lead and live the lives that they've always been felt called to live. We had a great conversation. It was uh, was very naturally occurring. The the time flew by. I looked at my watch and we were about 40 minutes in before I even knew it. Um, So that's, that's a good sign that you know when that happens that it was that it's going to be a great episode so i can't wait for you guys to listen in again jennifer longmore just outside of toronto canada you can follow her at jennifer longmore on instagram you can also find her in her website jenniferlongmore.com so with that let me introduce you to jennifer longmore hey what's up everybody welcome back to the championship leadership podcast today we got jennifer longmore from just north of Toronto, Cal- uh, I was going to say California. I just had somebody on uh, from California, but obviously from Canada, quite a ways away from, from California. Yeah. Uh, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. And for those of you that can't see it, I'm really admiring Nate's microphone. It's very, very fancy. <laughs> thank you. Yes. It I, looks I, uh, very, very official. Well, you know, if you're going to host a podcast, you got to look the part. Totally. And uh, for a long time, probably the first 120 episodes or so, I was just using this blue Yeti that you could not see in the screen and it wasn't quite the quality. So 
uh, was time yeah. to upgrade, but yeah, thank you. <laughs> What's up? I'd like to kind of kick off our conversation with this, this question, championship leadership is the name of the podcast. What comes to mind for you when uh-huh. you hear championship leadership? I love it because I think you can interpret it in a lot of different ways. And if there's nothing else that we're taking from what's going on right now, it's that we have to lead ourselves and we have been very good at abdicating our personal power to other people to make some big decisions for us. And we've been socialized to do that. So I'm not making anyone wrong because I'm also one of those people, even though I thought I was adulting it up like crazy and I was making all the big decisions. I really wasn't. I was paying people to make this big decisions for me and my family in good faith. And, um, and so I think part of, part of the championship leadership is really learning how to claim your sovereignty as an individual, how to be comfortable in your personal power, even if it offends other people, how to uh, be grounded in your principles, even if people are going to find a way to, to try and, you know, poke away at those and to really be able to go to bed at night and say, you know, can I sleep tonight based on how I showed up today? Did I, did I do everything in my power to really show up and be a contribution to others? And expand my capacity to learn and and be open and and be curious and so on yeah well you touched on it and i think we talked a little bit before we started recording but it's uh you know and for reference or context it's june 23rd 2020 so it's been a very interesting year depending on when you're listening to this and and some you know interesting time in our life and very easy to offend people nowadays evidently <laughs> people are easily offended or like if, if you have a different opinion they like to go into attack mode and tell you how you're a bad person and you're wrong so you know and and yeah it's, it's it is hard to take a stand in those moments because most of us we don't we don't really like confrontation i don't i don't get out of bed and like to seek confrontation, but at the same time, I'm not afraid of it, but it, I hadn't always been that way in, in life. And so, yeah, I mean, championship leadership is definitely the willingness, the capability, the, the ability to, to stand up for yourself and, and for what's important to you, even if it's going to potentially offend somebody. So tell me, tell us a little bit more about who Jennifer Longmore is and what you're up to and maybe kind of the path that's taken you to, uh, to where you are today and what you're up to today in, in life. I would love to. Thank you. I was just thinking as you were saying that, that I had the, I guess we'll call it the privilege. I don't know what else to call it. of working in forensics for a really long time. And I investigated really horrific crimes against children. A lot of what we're hearing about right now, uh, maybe not to that degree, but I spent a great deal of time (laughs) having to have very, very uncomfortable conversations with people, you know, 12 to 16 hour days sometimes, living for the weekends, not being able to sleep, having to be in court and be on the stand at 23 years old and Mm. really not understanding my power. I learned a lot about power and how to use it and how to not use it at that time. But uh, like you, I don't look for tough conversations and I, I prefer to not have them. I feel like I, 
I have tough conversation fatigue sometimes just from all the years I spent, yeah. <laughs> you know, having to, to really face a lot of, uh, I'll say, ugly things in humanity. And uh, I'm so grateful, too, that I grew up in a really, I'll say, spiritual household. It, we weren't religious, and I don't have anything against religion. I just wasn't raised in religion because my parents were really <laughs> forced to, to swallow the the religion in their respective households. And so they, they were adamant that they weren't going to do that to their own sure. child. But I grew up in, a, in an intuitive home. And my grandfather uh, was in the Navy. And when he got out, he worked in immigration. But he was very intuitive. Something happened to him in the Navy. And, um, and he was very intuitive. So he would solve crimes with the police as a psychic medium. And he realized that I had that same gift. And so he would just be happier than a pig and poop basically to you know, are we talking happen. like mentalist type stuff here or yeah yeah like the show which was one of my favorite shows ever yeah, i don't know if you it's a great show yeah. yeah yeah so i grew up with a very sort of woo background and i didn't really like i believe all of us are born with intuition it's just a matter of how it gets cultivated mm -hmm. but i grew up in a home where it was so normal and when you're a kid you really don't know that what's happening in your home isn't happening in every other home until yeah. you get to a certain age and you start, you know, having yeah. sleepovers and stuff and realizing, Oh, other people live differently than I do. Yeah. But uh, I didn't know that I was different and I didn't know that people just didn't go around talking about things that they knew that weren't verifiable. So I uh, spent a great deal of time being angry. I don't know, God source creator, whatever we want to call that energy because it really felt like a curse to me. I was making people feel uncomfortable and I don't like to make people feel uncomfortable. I didn't know that I knew things about people that they didn't know or that me knowing things about them was going to freak them out so much because I just, I, I had no idea I was speaking from that place. I was just speaking from a place of truth. And uh, in my late teens, I realized that me fighting this gift wasn't making it go away. So I leaned into it and I, started exploring it more. I had a car accident when I was in university and uh, got introduced to Reiki and Reiki actually really helped me heal a lot. And so I was able to bridge the energy that we're, you know, we can experience through things like Reiki or therapeutic touch and, um, and my intuition. And then, but I went into forensics, right? Cause I was still conditioned that the most noble way to make a job or make a living is with a job. You work for someone else until you retire. And then you go to some beach and drink margaritas in your retirement. And that's your life. Right. Yeah. Right. And, uh, that's so not how I, <laughs> now that I'm at this age, I think, Oh, I don't want that life for me. I can't imagine yeah. stopping what I'm doing. You know, the yeah. thought of retiring, even though there's times I've threatened it and I even tried semi-retirement for a bit. I don't, I just don't have the personality. I have too much of a type A personality for that. I, I went into forensics and that's an interesting space to work in when you're intuitive and sometimes you just know things, but you don't have the physical evidence to prove it. Other times you have the physical evidence to prove things and then judges will say weird things like it's a Friday afternoon and it's Sunday. Let's just drop this case. You're like, what's what? happening right now? <laughs> what, yeah. what is happening right now? That really happens? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, a, lot of, a lot of bizarre things happen. But people are, are under the misnomer. I think even, you know, it's relevant to what's going on right now. People are under the misnomer that the justice system was created for victims. It was always created way back. If you look at the origins was created 
for perpetrators or alleged perpetrators, I should say, uh, to give people a fair trial. It was never about protecting victims. We've been under the illusion that the justice is the justice system is supposed to give us justice. It's not. It's mm-hmm. meant to, you know, be a sounding board for all sides of the argument before someone gets hung in the town square. Yeah. And um, which isn't and a so bad thing, right? No, exactly. We yeah. we absolutely need that, especially when we look at how certain people get thrown under the bus. That especially today. Votes for someone yeah. else. Totally. Yeah. And then police were created really to protect the interests of corporations. And so we have a misidentified understanding of what a police's, police officer's role is. Now, yes, that has changed and societally we have different expectations. But when we look at the origins of what things are created in, oftentimes that stuff has to be reorganized, right? And we have to have new understandings or we have to allow it to evolve. If we, if we expect different things of it, we also have to then look at what it was created in and then what are the principles, right, that we're going to be operating from going forward. So I, I just, I saw a lot of things and uh, most people I worked with were very high integrity. Uh, it, it's a hard conversation to have even now as we were kind of talking about before we went live. But yeah. Do I agree with with police brutality? No, of course not. And uh, and I also don't know that defunding the police is the best thing to do. Right. And I have a lot of friends that are police officers. I've worked with them. I see how hard they work. Uh, and this goes for anyone that's in any enforcement positions because all my family members, all the male family members were in, in um, the military of some sort. Our neighbor across the street is really high up in the Canadian military. I have great respect for what people have to put themselves through. And do I want to see people getting murdered because of their race? No, of course not. Um, But there's got to be some way to redefine all of this because based on what I saw at at 23 years old, obviously I worked there for a long time, but getting out of university and having so much cognitive dissonance, which is what we're all going through right now, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you think pediatricians are supposed to be looking after children. And then you find out that some of them don't. Yeah, and gynecologists right. are good with their female patients. And then you find out some of them aren't. And then you find out that teachers are supposed to be good with your kids and some of them are not. And I could go on and on, right? In every right. profession, yeah, there right. are football coaches, like I could go on and on, right? There's there's just a lot of things that we learn about, especially the people we're taught to trust. And then we come to learn that maybe our, our blind faith isn't going to serve us. But uh, with, with being highly intuitive in that field and also, you know, having actual training, it was, it was interesting because I really loved the work and I loved my clients and I loved all my colleagues actually, but I didn't like the system. <laughs> the system was, uh, had some, some red tape in there that got very tangled up at times. So I was fortunate enough to start my business. I realized I couldn't live that way. I couldn't live for the weekends and I couldn't have the level of adrenal fatigue I had for the next 40 years. It just wasn't going to be sustainable. And I didn't even know that entrepreneurship was an option because it just wasn't what I was raised with. I I think most people weren't raised with that. Right. But I started meeting people that did what I did, and I decided to start going to these networking events to learn this alien speak, because it really sounded alien to me. Like, what? You wake up at 11? What? I don't understand. What do you mean? What do you mean you're working on the weekends and you love it? I don't understand. 
And I realized, I actually took some quizzes and I realized, holy cow, I'm a hundred percent entrepreneurial spirit. Like I have no business having a job. I do not have the personality makeup or a job. So that was liberating. And then we still, as, as you know, have to take the leap and trust that the net will catch us. And that was probably one of the scariest leaps because when you're so socialized to believe that a job is the ultimate safety net, right? It's basically like jumping off a cliff without, <laughs> without a bungee cord or whatever, right? Yeah. So, uh, but anyways, now, 16 years later, full-time in my business. And it probably took me a good five years into my business before I got out of the, the job mindset of having a job as a backup plan. I don't think mm-hmm. we realized we're doing that a lot of times. Yeah. But I really realized, oh, like I have to make this work. I'm going to make it work. I love making this work. So how do I keep throwing myself into this? I'm making sure that I, that I get to do this for the rest of my life and have the freedom and the impact and so on that comes along with having my own business. Yeah. Talk, if you could, a little bit more about what exactly does it mean or look like to be highly intuitive, as you have said. I've always <laughs> called myself a very intuitive person, but uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You sound like uh, probably the next level of that. Um, but uh, yeah, can mm-hmm. you talk, talk to us a little bit more about that? I, I love that you share that because I think it comes to us all in different ways. I just happen to have an environment that fostered that. So I was more free to be in this place at a very young age. I wasn't made wrong for it. I didn't have the demons exercised out of me. Like I hear some of these stories from folks, right, who are intuitive and they grew up in spaces where it was, you were made wrong or got physically punished or, you know, got the silent treatment for two weeks. Why would you, why would you be physically punished or? Well, I wouldn't be, but I'm saying like I mean, why other clients someone... I've spoken to. Well, um, because, for example, if you see things that other people can't see, then you're either called a liar. So, you're, so if you're you call someone out on it, or like you just say that and then it's actually true. And, and so then they take it out on you because they're like, they don't want anyone else to know. Is that kind of what you're saying? Uh, well, if, if you're a kid and you're, you're around your parents and you're saying, oh, look over there, I just saw whatever, right? If they're, if they're clairvoyant and they see something, but nobody else is seeing it, people either think you're crazy or they think uh-huh. you're purposefully lying. So yeah, okay. they might be disciplined for lying to their parents when in fact they were just reporting what they saw because they didn't know. Nobody yeah, else no, was any different. Right. Same with hearing messages or you know, you're, you're a liar, just like your uncle Jimmy, you're turning out to be just like your uncle. So not only are you being disciplined, but you might be shamed and shame is just such a heavy energy. And it's really hard to break, break free from the chains of shame once they've been projected onto you. I see it all the time. And, and so much of the work that I do, even though I don't advertise it and I don't intend to, I naturally have to talk with people about their traumas because it's the trauma that holds us back from stepping into that next level of leadership or that next level of business or that ability to raise our rates or that ability to take a speaking gig of speaking to 10,000 people because that might feel like a big leap. A lot of it ends up coming down to the the shame and the judgment and the guilt that have been projected onto us or we have assumed because of how we were being. We were just simply being and our beingness was made wrong. So. So... yeah. Tell me more though. Like, I don't think we've really gotten to what highly intuitive looks like or, or. Yeah. Well, it just, it's kind of a way of being 
it happens from the moment I wake up. I'll be shown information that will happen. And we were talking before about COVID when, when we first got the news that we had to go into lockdown. And I know for every place it was different. For where I am, it was really downplayed. It was just this thing that was happening everywhere else in the world up until that Thursday. And then all of a sudden, you have to be in lockdown for two weeks and you can't go out in nature and you can't go. And it was like, yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> what's happening? Yeah. And this overwhelming intuitive hit of dread and Handmaid's Tale. And, uh, but being able to, I was shown a movie for about 30 seconds of how this was all going to play out. And it's playing out exactly as I was shown. And it's still mm. going to play out. Yeah. There's still more to the story and it's not very pleasant, right? So I don't want to be Debbie Downer here, but. Uh, <laughs> can, you, uh, can you tell us how it's going to play out? Well, we, uh, the information war that we're in right now, we're in multiple wars, but we're in an information war that we have been in for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of competing agendas to hijack our limbic system and to get us believing things that are not true. Right. Yeah. So if we take the U S for example, and I'm not from the U S but most of my friends and clients are in the U S and Additionally, the world needs to pay attention to what's happening in the U.S. because it literally affects everyone else in the world in some way. I'm going to talk about the U.S. And there, there's already more than enough reason to hijack our limbic systems within the U.S., right? To keep people divided. What's, yeah, talk because more about the limbic system. What, uh... Well, just, you know, our ability to reason and hijacking our okay. logic basically and and for get, instance like I've, I've noticed tell me if this is an example i've noticed probably more so in the last it's really been the last three or four days like you know you got the headlines and the clickbait mm -hmm. they have taken another level to to the headlines um on on certain mm -hmm. sides of what they're saying and just the boldness of like and I, luckily, I, I know enough to be like, when I see that, I already know it's like the opposite. Like, it's not even this, uh -huh. like, but it's so crazy that how many people are looking at that and believing it. Is that kind of an example of an attack on the limbic system? Totally. You know, a great example would be, and, and I'm not pro-Trump. I'm not against Trump. It doesn't really sure. matter who I'm for because I can't vote for anyone in the because I'm not American. Right. But I will say that you know, they were already reporting a spike in COVID cases because of the rally before the rally even happened. Totally. That's yeah. one of them. Before it's like, it even happened. All of a sudden now COVID cases happen in within hours when before we've been told it takes weeks to show up. Totally. Well, they were reporting it even before it happened, before even before happened. the rally started. And then the next day they're like, cases are up, you know, and it's like, yeah. but like it was literally two minutes ago. What are you talking about? If it takes 14 <laughs> days, right? then, you know, but the reason why it works is because, well, for a lot of reasons, A, we scroll. And when we're scrolling, we're in our theta brainwaves. We're highly suggestible. We're not in our left brain. Mm -hmm. We're in our right brain. Uh, we're in that same sort of zone that we get in before we go to sleep. And so when we're scrolling, we see a headline. Donald Trump molested 75 million children. We're like, oh my God, Trump's an asshole. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> He's an yeah. asshole. Yeah. Because we're not critically thinking in that zone. And they know this. They, the AI and the companies that 
that pay to manipulate us on, on various social media platforms know how suggestible we are. Even the smartest people are victims to this because we don't even realize that our, our logic is being hijacked. And this is on both sides, right? This is on the left and the right. They both pay a lot of money to create memes. They know that memes are highly impactful. And uh, they know that and we've all had this happen where they'll be like, this is happening in the world. And we click on it. We're like, oh my God, that's horrible. I have to learn more about this story. Yeah. And we click on it. We're like, this article is from 2013. Why is this <laughs> right. person passing this off as yeah. like, whatever? Or you read it and it has nothing. I mean, nothing to do with the title. They literally yeah. are just trying to hook us. So it's our job as leaders to understand what our own internal compass does when we intuitively know truth, because truth has a vibe to it. It doesn't even matter if it's unbelievable. If it's true, it will have a vibe to it. We'll just kind of know either in our gut or there's just sort of this thing that will come over us like, yeah, that's true. For me, when I'm reading those headlines, if I get immediately emotionally jacked up, then I know that it's at least a half truth at best, if not an entire manipulated lie. If I read something that's disturbing or I'm disappointed in humanity because of something that happened or I feel sad about something, but I don't have like a visceral reaction, then I'm more likely to pay attention to that because emotions buy. Yeah. Right. We, we buy emotionally, we buy products and services emotionally. So when they can target our emotions, they're trying to get our buy-in to the story that they want us to hold to keep us divided because United countries can take over government. Right? If we really yeah. want to look at it that way, we can take over companies. We can, you know, do a lot of things when we're united. And, and it's also very tribal for us. Like think about when you go to a sports game, everyone's united. Yay. We're rooting for, you know, in our case, Toronto Blue Jays. We'll just make that up. Yay. The Jays. And then there'll be some cocky fan that comes and they're like, yeah, go, you know, Red Sox. And you're like, what are the Red Sox doing here? Blue Jays. You know, we, <laughs> we sure. always, oh, you're from that city. I'm from that city. We're besties, right? We always are looking for ways to unite yeah. and be on the same team. And that's just a psychological thing. So, so in social media, they've been doing this information war for a really long time. It just happens to get worse during election years. Yeah. And we can absolutely see that now. There's just more at stake right now because we are also fighting a spiritual war. I, I really don't understand how we can tell people they can't go to their religious place of worship, but tens of thousands of people can protest without a mask in the street. And I'm not anti-protest. In fact, protests sometimes are the only way things can happen. It's more just that logically we look at that and go, how come that, but not this? And how dare you say that? Like, I can't believe yeah. you actually say that. Yeah. I mean, that's, the, that's how yeah. it is, right? It's like, well, you, you can't even have that opinion in certain circles. Or, I mean, you can have mm -hmm. it, of course, but it's just dependent, you know, mm -hmm. you get attacked or it's justified away or it's whatever it is. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's, it is a crazy and a bit of a scary time. Like, I have children and I'm, uh, I'm just worried about them growing up in this world. And, if it is how it is now, I don't see it slowing down. I only see it getting worse, unfortunately. Uh, and so, yeah, again, that's why I probably I'm on the mission that I am as far as championship leadership and helping to grow more leaders. I think that's 
definitely what we need in this time is, is more leaders to step up and to help to unite somehow to fight through this. What's, um, I'm so grateful for the people that have stepped up. If you look at some of the people that were not even planning, they, they never wanted to be a household name. They were not yeah. planning to be a part of this conversation. Their videos yeah. just happened to go viral. And then all of a sudden they become household names. And on top of that, been attacked for, you know, their character or, or lies being spread around them. And they truly, you know, they're happy to step up to the mission to your point around, let's just inspire more leaders. But uh, what I'm seeing is that there's a lot more people waking up to what's going on and not everyone's going to play the same role, but it's, it's not enough for us to just share information. Oh, did Mm -hmm. you see that video? Did you see that other thing about that shady thing that this group is up to? Did you hear about this arrest? Did you hear about whatever? And spreading information for sure. it, It can be helpful if it's truthful and it's, you know, we know it's backed by something, but then what's the next level of that? Like, how do we, how do we move beyond just constantly talking about what's going on? How do we actually, you know, work against it? Because you're right. Like this is, I don't want to be in a world myself, whether I had children or not, I don't want to be in the world the way it is right now. Uh, And I want to be able to be able to do my job as a parent adequately without being immensely hindered. And, but yeah, I'm I'm more concerned about, my son and what's going to happen with him. My, one of my closest friends just had a baby five days before lockdown in her location dependent business. Wow. Like that's, and she's having a hard time because she's well aware of the multiple <laughs> things that we're facing right now. Yeah. And, uh, and how do you reconcile that? Like you, you just had a baby, your hormones are all over the place. You've got two other young kids. You have a location-dependent business, and you're not sleeping, and you have to try and figure a way to pivot your business so you can pay your staff, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Crazy stuff. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so what is it that you? Let's get a little bit more into what you are doing today. Mm-hmm. Well, now <laughs> I do more business coaching, and I focus on on upper limit stuff usually shows up by way of money and how much money people allow themselves to make, but focus on busting through upper limits and, and making sure that we uh, use our business as a tool for transformation. Uh, I'm all for making money, but making money for the sake of making money is kind of boring. It's not as fulfilling as we think it is. We think if we hit a certain milestone that we're going to feel amazing and yeah, for, you know, a day or two you do sure <laughs> but then yeah. after that it's like okay now what so i really i work with with both men and women i just tend to attract a lot of women who need help staying out of their own way and and get out of the cycle of undercharging and allow themselves to be more visible visibility is usually a big issue for a lot of entrepreneurs and uh, help them structure their business in such a way that it feels aligned to the way they're willing to show up for it. Some people are willing to, they have a high risk tolerance. They're willing to spend 10,000 bucks a month on Facebook ads, for example. Yeah. And other people really prefer to do things organically. So yeah. I try to, to find ways to help people, you know, like what we're talking about today, be in their leadership energy, 
Uh, you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea. It's not your job to be Nutella. <laughs> it's your <laughs> yeah. job to be, <laughs> to be on it. I, I feel that we have a duty to be honest about who we are as people and what we stand for so that it, not unlike dating, when you're dating someone and then after the honeymoon period, period wears off, you find out all these pretty significant ghosts in the closet that you're like, oh, yeah, I probably would have made a different decision. The same is true for our clients. We owe it to people to let them know where we stand because some people are really not going to resonate with us, but the people that do are going to be so grateful, so, so grateful that we're a safe place for them to talk about the things that they can tell we already, you know, have the capacity to talk about. Yeah. What, what do you mean? Like what type of transformation you said that uh, a tool for transformation? Like we, I have a platform, right? I've, I've built my platform full time for 16 years. So I don't like to get too political on my platform. That's not why people come to me. They're not coming to me to find out the latest and greatest in politics. They're not coming to me to have discussions about abortion. They're not coming to me to have discussions about whether the Catholic church should still have the right to be a church. Like I could go on and on about highly contentious things. Right. But I do, when there are things going on in the world that warrant a conversation, like some of what we're going through right now, we just have to be having these conversations. We can't avoid them. The conversations are being had and we need to let people know where we stand on certain things. But I also don't want to bang people over the head because they do also need respite to talk about the things that matter. When I help people with their business, you know, it's business is really just a tool to express our purpose. So a lot of what I'm doing is helping people get really clear on their purpose in the world. And then how do we find the right business model for you? And how do we, you know, structure your offers and so on so that you can make the impact that you make? If we take a company like Ben and Jerry's, for example, people go, oh, they're just ice cream guys. Why are they getting so political? Well, they've always been. They've always been about social responsibility. They've always used their business and they've always used ice cream as just this innocuous thing to actually fund the causes that they believe in. So that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about, right? Where we say, okay, I'm going to go make, make a lot of money for me because I want to give myself the freedom to hire more people to, you know, advertise and reach more people and all and give back in the ways I want to give back. But at this stage in the game, when I talk about transformation, I'm actually talking about compound leadership. So I don't hire clients anymore. And I use that word specifically, right? Because I look at, look at it as I'm deciding whether I'm going to work with them as well. I get that they hire me. Yeah. But I decide who I'm going to share my time with based on whether I believe in what they're doing and whether they're in the right mental place. So I can help anyone get results if they're willing to get results for themselves. But I really like to work with people that are far less interested in getting results for their business and far more interested in getting results for their clients. If they're already talking to me from a place of I'm really excited to make more money so that I can do A, B, and C and and give better course delivery to my clients or, or be able to hire more people so I can serve more clients and help them with A, B, and C, then I'm way more interested in working with them as opposed to just showing someone how to make, you know, 50K a month. Like, okay. <laughs> and, yeah. and now what, what are we going to do with that? Yeah, right. So I, I'm a big stand for compound leadership and I do feel like that's where we're going. Yeah. What's, um, what's, what's a critical moment for you? I know, um, hopefully you got a little bit more time. I realized that this conversation has gone really fast already. So, uh, <laughs> I know it's gone fast. Time, I, have, so. I have all the time in the world. 
Um, well, I won't take all the time in the world, but let's, <laughs> let's, let's keep this going for a little bit. Um, what's a critical moment or defining moment in your life? Kind of that crossroads, fork in the road moment, I guess. Um, obviously, you did make the decision you have because it has you on the path that you are. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you had not, your mm-hmm. life would be very different. Uh, is there a moment that sticks out to you you could share? I have, I have quite a few, but I would say that I, I already mentioned the car accident, which was, was very pivotal because it forced me to decide whether I wanted to stay here. What was a car accident? Really I don't know if you, did you mention that? Yeah, I thought I did. Maybe I, I just mentioned it telepathically. Yeah, I don't think you did. When yeah. I was in university, I had a, had a car accident and I was able to heal my body through Reiki. But uh, the car spun out of control and I had a moment of realizing, oh, I'm going to die here. I really was surprised when someone touched my skin when I was in my car after it was all over. I, I really thought I was outside of my body looking at my dead body and someone wow. touching my dead. It was weird. Uh, and then I finally got out of shock and realized, oh, I'm still alive. But mm-hmm. I remember screaming out, no, I don't want to die. I'm not ready to die. And I know many people have had similar types of experiences, right, where you, you're showing your life in a, a movie really quickly. But I, I was able to really cultivate faith from that. I feel like I was kind of aimlessly going through life at that time. But the next major thing, as I mentioned before, was leaving my J-O-B, which stands for just over broke. I really don't, I couldn't even tell you if I would still be alive. Not because I would have been suicidal or anything, but just from all the health things that were already starting to happen to me from the adrenal fatigue. I don't know what my quality of life would have been. And I don't, I definitely wouldn't have met my husband. I definitely wouldn't have had my son, or at least my son, you know, with this person. Uh, there, there are just so many things I wouldn't have done in my life because I wouldn't have had the energy and I would have been depressed without even knowing I was depressed because my vitality was so low. And I probably wouldn't have been a very fun person to be around. I would have yeah. been, you know, just trying to get through life, constantly wondering, is this all there is to life? Like the thought of that just seems so foreign to me. And yet it could have been a real possibility. Was it a difficult decision to make or was something that you struggled with for a while? Or did it just come to a point where you're like, enough is enough? It, well, yeah, it, you know, in those kind of, the same is probably true for police and other, you know, crisis oriented jobs where there's a culture that gets created of being the hero. And in that particular job, the average uh, time frame was like six months. So if you lasted longer than six months, all of a sudden your peers would accept you. Like you're one of yeah. us. You got yeah. what it takes you persevere. You're willing to do the tough stuff. You, you've got the stomach for this. We now ordain you as a member of our tribe. Yep. So there's a lot of peer pressure to uh, be the hero, basically, right? And be the martyr. And, uh, and people took a lot of pride in, oh, I, I worked all weekend. I wrote affidavits all weekend. Oh, I haven't had a vacation for yeah. five years. I've got 75 vacation days because I never take one because right. children matter too much, yeah. right? Like they yeah. do all this stuff. And so anytime we were in a unionized environment, so anytime I would try to quit, I'd go in, I'd finally be like, I can't do any more of this. I don't even care if I don't have a job and I don't make money. Anything's better than this. It's too much. And I'd go in and there'd easily be like 20 postings on the union board from 
like nothing the day before I'd come in that morning and there'd be 20 job postings for my exact job because so many people had quit with a big organization. Yeah. And I'd be like, Oh crap. Well, I can't quit today because what are they going to do without me? Yeah. Right. Right. I'm putting them in a tough position. And that went on yep. for probably two or three years. And then I finally was like, no, screw them. If they want to run their, their company from a place of crisis and always being behind the eight ball, and never preparing and always putting out fires. They know the turnover is high. Hire people even when you don't need them because I right. guarantee you, like yeah. by the time you interview them, you will have a spot for them, right? Yeah. But I finally realized it's not my job to play in, in their toxic circle of constantly putting out fires and making you feel bad if you moved on. I realized there was never going to be a good time. It's the same with starting a business, right? There's never a perfect time. There are some times that are, are obviously better than others, but um, I finally had to extract myself from that martyrdom and not worry about people thinking I was a bad person because I had left them behind or I left them in the lurch because they were sure. addicted to being in the lurch, right? And, yeah. and many companies run, run that way, public or private. So, Got it. Yeah, thank you. We will wrap it up here. One last question for you. What's, uh, if, there's, if there are one or two things that you could share with the listeners that if they were to implement today, it would help them move their life forward today, what would those be? Well, I strongly believe in having a mentor. I believe that we all need a safe place to celebrate our wins because often we don't have that in our own circles, even if we think we do. We also need a safe place to de debrief about our disappointments because we don't always have, have that in our life. And uh, we need someone to remind us of our greatness because with what's going on in the world and I'll say quote unquote normal times, let alone what's going on now, how do we stay connected to the fact that we have so much potential still and we have so much life to live? So that would be the first thing. And the second thing is that it's really, I, I noticed a difference for me when I started living in the question rather than always trying to have the answers. So questions I might live in without being attached to answering, I just let them answer themselves, would be things like, what's next? You know, every time I hit a goal, I just say, what's next? I don't have to decide what it is. I'll let it show to me. Or how can I be a contribution today? How can I allow my business to be a contribution to me today? How can I, you know, be more bold today in my social media posts? How can I release attachment to what other people think? So the more I live in the question, the more freedom I have because I don't have to think my way through everything. I can allow, you know, room for things to come to me. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. What are a few ways that the listeners can follow you and find out more about you and, and what you're up to? Well, I, I might've given it away that I spend an awful lot of time on Facebook. Maybe <laughs> I have a group called the purpose posse <laughs> and that's for entrepreneurs what? that are intuitive that are, it doesn't matter what their business is, but they just want, you know, a more holistic place to talk about business growth. And I'm on Instagram, I'm on LinkedIn and um, yeah. And then I also have my own podcast called the seven figure club podcast, which is teaching entrepreneurs all the various ways that you can, reach seven figures that don't have to be hard. Great. Appreciate that. And uh, we'll definitely get all that linked up as well. Thank you so much for being here and, and spending some time with us. It was, it was truly uh, a pleasure. And uh, like I said, the time flew by. So that's, it was, it was incredible. totally, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Have a good day. Let's go. Let's go.
in 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, nature going home. I missed my life, missed my wife. For 15 months, she was all alone. But when I got back, I felt out of control. Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold. I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor. Me and my wife weren't all right. I didn't reconnect with it. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties. But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself. I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera. I fixed the lens, and now I see in focus. Now my life's unrecognizable from my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years. Years of marriages never been better than this. And we got three kids, that's who I do it for. I'm gonna be a leader, I'm a leader, white girls, I'm a former. 